Church, Charlotte. Let's clap our hands for Jesus. He's worthy of our praise. Bless the name of the Lord. Amen. Turn to somebody standing next to you. Tell them you look much better than I do today. <laughs> Say it like you really mean it. <laughs> It's good to be back at one of my favorite places, First Church. I love this church. I love coming to this church. And every time I get an opportunity to leave New York to come, I'm going to come. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for the opportunity to always worship the Lord with you and to share God's word with you. Amen. Give honor to uh, Bishop Elms and Mother Elms and to Pastor and Sister Elms. Are you thankful for the leadership that you have? You guys are blessed with amazing first-class leadership. We honor them, and I consider Pastor and Sister Elms to be tremendous dear friends of ours, and um, we love them, and we say happy birthday to Pastor, uh, and uh, we pray and hope that they're having a wonderful vacation, a time of rest, which the Bible reminds us that it's not an option for us to rest, and um, it's not multiple choice. Uh, God commands us to rest and even the man of God needs to rest at times as well and uh, we salute this church for who you are and what you do in terms of the kingdom of God and um, you are a blessing not only to uh, Charlotte but around the world and uh, we constantly pray for you and watch you and support you and everything that you do uh, especially online and uh, glean from you in so many ways uh, that you cannot even think and for that you are a tremendous blessing to our lives and we say thank you for being who you are give honor to the Dixon family longtime friends I call them uncle and auntie honor them today and their family and uh, to the great church here and to all our visitors, we greet you in Jesus' name. Let's get right into the word. How many is ready for the word of the Lord today? Amen. Turn your Bibles to the book of Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20, read in verses 15 through 17. And I'll read it in the New King James Version today. And he said, listen, all of you are Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. I want to say one more time. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Amen. Tomorrow go down against them. Amen. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Oh. I'm going to say it for the 25 real praisers today. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. Can you say amen? amen. 
By the help of the Lord, I want to talk to you just for the next few moments on a guaranteed win. How, 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 many, how many likes guaranteed wins? Yeah. Turn to somebody look, standing next to you, tell them it's a guaranteed win. It's a, it's a guaranteed win. You will not need to fight in this battle. I feel like helping somebody by the help of the word of the Lord today. Can you raise your hands and let's pray all across the sanctuary. Father, we are so thankful for this amazing worship experience. Thank you for the people of God. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for the leadership of this church. We honor, salute, and we recognize the graduates of the class of 2023. Thank you, Lord, for this another day and what you are doing and what you're getting ready to do by speaking to us like only you can. We pray that you will grant us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you will allow us not only to hear but to receive we thank you lord god for all that you are doing and what you're getting ready to do and in advance we give you praise glory and honor for it in no other name we pray but in jesus name and let the church say amen thank you for standing clap your hands one more time as you take your seats in the name of the lord a guaranteed win many christians today unfortunately have been conditioned to believe that winning is unimportant or even unbiblical. But the truth is that God created you to win. I wish I had a witness. He created you to win not just spiritually, but emotionally, professionally, financially, and in every area of your life. In fact, if you're not at least in the process of becoming that kind of winner, you're not fulfilling God's whole purpose for your life. And you're missing out on the contentment and sense of fulfillment God wants you to have. Many Christians have been deceived into thinking that a losing lifestyle makes them more spiritual. <laughs> There's nothing noble about losing. He came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And if you are having that mindset that uh, having this losing life makes me more spiritual, then it will only leave you frustrated. It will leave you unfulfilled and perhaps worst of all, totally ineffectual as a living witness for Christ. So let's face it, the world is not going to be influenced by a bunch of losers. Until you and I start to move into the realm of the winning, our influence on this world will be severely limited. And that doesn't mean, however, we must adopt a worldly cutthroat win at, at all cost mentality. In fact, winning for the believer, for the child of God, has quite a different meaning. According to the world's way of thinking, when someone wins, it means everyone else has to lose. It is an exclusive mentality and it also implies the domination of others. But God's concept of winning is totally different. First of all, God's concept of winning is not exclusive. There's room at the top for everyone in God's system of winning. Secondly, instead of dominating people, a godly winner dominates circumstances. Let me say it again. Instead of dominating people, a godly winner dominates circumstances. 
That's because in the kingdom of God, Paul reminds us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So God's winners realize that even though another person may seem to be behind a negative circumstance in their life, that person is not the root of the problem. They understand that God doesn't, uh, hasn't promised them dominion over other people, but he has guaranteed them dominion over every circumstance, over every situation, over every problem, and the demonic forces behind those problems. So it's those forces and circumstances, the real winner puts under its feet because it is neither exclusive nor dominative, but God's concept of winning is good news for everyone. At the end of the day, we all win. And he reminds us that we are more than conquerors through him that love us. Within each day, each moment of life, each challenge and adversity, within each mistake, there's something to be won. Everything that we categorize or think of as a loss can be converted into a win. The power of life is really about self-discovery. It's our job to find the wins, to recognize the opportunities for personal and spiritual growth, and to move forward wiser and more self-aware and better prepared for the next chapter of our lives. That moment that we allow life to drag us down, thinking that there's some indefinite time period uh, before we can recover, is the moment that we surrender our will to live over to defeat. So let's be honest this morning, in life, there are battles that we can win and there are battles that we cannot win. Are you with me today? There are battles that we can win and there are battles that we cannot win. I mean, really, who wants to fight battles that they can't win? And unfortunately, I wish I had some help here, I hear, there are a lot of people, especially in the church, who engage themselves in battles that they can't win. They engage themselves in battles that they can't win. And I think that we can really draw so much strength to our lives from this powerful lesson that we must stop fighting battles that we cannot win. Pastor Omar, what do you mean? I'm glad you asked. We got to stop fighting battles that we can't win. And when, when, when we stop fighting battles uh, that we can't win, it really looks like when we stop trying to convince people to love you when they have no intent to. We, 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 we stop fighting battles uh, that we can't win when we stop getting to the point that we are so desperate for the presence of someone who has shown us that they really don't care about us. It's going to get tight before it gets better, so just hang on with me. Uh, you, you stop fighting battles, really, when you stop worrying about problems that you can't solve. You, you stop fighting battles when you stop arguing with people who have no intent on hearing you. You, you stop fighting battles when you try to overthink your way into controlling someone else's behavior. You stop. I wish I had some help right here. You really stop fighting battles you can't win when you stop thinking that you're one more Instagram post away. Uh, the social media is getting quiet right now. Yes. I'm just one more perfect picture away from getting all the likes and comments that I want. Oh, yeah. 
I'm one more post on Facebook away from getting the attention that I want. Oh, it's quiet today. You're one more picture away or one more outfit away or one more beauty procedure away from really being comfortable with your own self. You stop fighting battles you can't win when you stop placing your sense of self on something outside of you. Something always just behind your reach. Is anybody hearing me today? Eventually you have to decide that you're not going to keep investing your time and energy into thoughts and people that are never going to give you anything back in return. I'm talking about wasting time, I'm talking about wasting energy, and I'm talking about wasting money in areas of your life that at the end of the day, it's not pouring back to you. The devil is a liar today. I've got to stop fighting battles that I can't win, that I know that at the end of the day, it's not going to fulfill me, and it's not going to define me, and it's not going to contribute to my self-worth. Is anybody hearing me under the sound of my voice in 2023? We've got to make up our minds. We've got to choose the battle that we fight and the battles that we fight there's an understanding that he equips me to fight these battles and when he equips me at the end I win but also there are battles that he says don't fight this battle stand still I got it it's mine it belongs to me and I still win so it's really a guaranteed win it's a win-win situation for me In this life, everyone faces battles. Can I get a witness? And those battles can come at any time or place, and they can be in many different forms. We all fight battles. Battles can take the form of financial hardships. It can take the form of relationship issues and career pressures, inner battles, insecurities. It can take the form of doubts and abuse and crisis and trauma and disappointment and fear and parenthood issues and so much more. No one is exempt from battles. Some last only one day. Some last a few weeks. Some last a couple of months. And oh yeah, some last a few years. But at the end of the day, we all fight battles, whether they are physical, whether they are emotional, spiritual, every person will face battles that they must overcome. Battles don't define us. Our response does. Our outcome does. And the outcome of every battle is that God, I need a praiser right here, wants you to win. God, God wants you to win. God created you. I wish I had some help right here. He created you to win. Not just spiritually, but he created you to win financially. He created you to win professionally. He created you to win relationally. And in every area, I just need to find the winners in this second service right here. That God has created me to win. In fact, if you're not at least in the process of becoming that kind of winner, you're really not fulfilling God's purpose for your whole life. So we know life is a battle and we know one has to fight to win. And it's really kind of crazy this afternoon to think that we win battles by both extremes. What do I mean? Because if we look in the word of God, the Bible tells us that we should fight. 
We should fight with our spiritual weapons and items by putting on the whole armor of God. But then there are other scriptures that tells us that we should let God fight our battles. I want you to stay with me today. It really shows us two very important but very extreme lessons regarding the battles of life. Number one, we understand that the battle belongs to God. We understand that he does the fighting for us if we simply surrender our battles to him. And secondly, being prepared to fight because Ephesians 6 gives us an outline of our spiritual armor. So that really raises the argument this afternoon, why would God's word command us to put on the whole armor of God if sometimes we weren't called to fight? Why would Jesus tell us that we had power over the enemy if it wasn't necessary for us to use that power? And these two theological concepts seem to contradict one another. On one hand, I'm supposed to surrender my battles to God and let him do the fighting for me. But on the other hand, I'm supposed to be ready to fight spiritual battles and exercise my authority as a child of God. And I think when it comes to the battles of life, we are all called to both surrender and fight. Yes. Somebody say surrender. Somebody say fight. We are both called to surrender and to fight. And even in the Old Testament, it gives us an example that sometimes God fought for the children of Israel. But other times, the children of Israel had to kill every living thing inside the cities. You see, as long, hear me church, as long as we surrender the battle to God, he would go before us into the battle. And as long as we fight according to God's plan and God's word will have the victory. It's a guaranteed win. We cannot lose with God on our side. If we surrender, we win. If we fight, we win. If he fights for us, we still win. I wish I had a witness here. We cannot lose with God on our side. Let me, let, let me say it again for the people sitting in the back. We cannot lose with God on our side. Come on, graduates of 2023. You cannot lose with God on your side. I want to remind you, I want to remind the family today that when we surrender to God and his word and his ways, we gain victory and power in our life. You, you know, you really can't say that about anything else in this world. If you look at the sports world, what? If you surrender, you lose. If you wave the white flag, you get the L, you, you, you lose. Right? You, you surrender in a war, it's a loss. But surrendering to God is victory. Is there anybody in the church that's going to help the preacher preach on today? When we surrender to God, it's victory. I'm going to say it again for 10 more praisers. When we surrender to God, it's victory. 
No, surrendering doesn't make you defeated. Surrendering doesn't make you uh, weak. Surrendering doesn't make you a failure. Surrendering to God strengthens you. Surrendering to God gives you the victory. You don't have to fear or surrender to anything or anyone else. Victory belongs to Jesus. And if victory belongs to Jesus, victory belongs to you when you live a life of surrender to him. Then David say, know ye not that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord, he is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endured to all generations. Somebody's looking at me and you're hearing me under the sound of my voice. And you probably walked in with the battle of your life. Pastor Jolly, you don't understand what I'm going through I don't know what you're going through somebody here under the sound of my voice you may be fighting financial battles somebody here under the sound of my voice you may be fighting marital battles and health battles but whatever the battle is I want to let you know once you surrender the battle to God it makes you a winner and if you stand still and see the salvation of the Lord it still makes you a winner there are some battles ladies and gentlemen he calls us to fight and we win but there are other battles that he says don't engage I got it this is my battle you don't need to fight in this battle and you still win I'm preaching to you about a guaranteed win that the devil is defeated and no weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper I'm preaching to somebody that there's a guaranteed win with your name on it Come on, you ought to stand up and lift up your head, all ye gates, and be he lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. I don't care what you're going through this afternoon. I've come to let you know there's a winning season on your life, and if you can praise him and thank him in advance, victory belongs to you. so we still we still face battles and each and every day of our lives we face them emotionally and we face them spiritually and we face them physically and we all have things that we are up against and we read the text and we understand the story of King Jehoshaphat the Bible tells us that he is the son and successor of Asa king of Judah and we read this story we get to understand more about Jehoshaphat that he enjoyed a great measure of peace and prosperity he enjoyed the blessings of God he enjoyed the blessings of God resting on the people in their basket and in their store Jehoshaphat was greatly used of God during his reign during the reformation of Judah the first thing that we see about Jehoshaphat was that the Lord was with him because he walked in the first ways of his father and he didn't seek after Balaam. He sought the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments. His heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. After fortifying his kingdom against Israel, he set himself, uh, uh, he set up himself to cleanse the land of idolatry by removing the high places and the groves out of Judah. In the third year of his reign, he sent out priests and Levites over the land to ensure 
instruct the people in the law. They went all around Judah teaching from the book of the law of God. In everything that Jehoshaphat accomplished, it is evident to us this afternoon that if we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. Jehoshaphat was about the business of the kingdom of God. He didn't play no games. He was a no-nonsense king. He sent out priests and Levites, and he was teaching from the book all over the land. The Bible says that he was diligent in appointing judges in the land. Each city had its own judge. After he appointed them, he charged them by saying, this is serious work. I want you to do it carefully. He told them to live in the fear of God. He said that if you're not merely judging between men and women, these are God's judgments that you are passing on. He also appointed Levites and priests and family heads to uh, decide on matters that had to do with worship and, 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 and local uh, uh, government issues. He charged them by saying, I want you to do your work in the fear of God. I want you to be dependable and honest in your duties. And that's really, really a good life lesson for us to plug in right here because many people, uh, many people care greatly about their reputation and how they will be judged by others. And a, a concern about appearing honest may outweigh our desire to actually be honest, even in situations where it will cost us. If and when a case comes before you involving any of your fellow citizens, whether it seems large like murder or small like interpretation of the law, you are responsible for warning them that they are going to be dealing with God's wrath. He told them this. He told them, do your work well or you will be as guilty as them. He was a no-nonsense king. He was about restoring Judah. He was about revival. He was about uh, reforming. So now they're in a season of revival. They're in a season where the blessings of God, uh, they're, they're back in the land. And Judah has been reformed and restored. Now, when it seems like things were in order, when it seems like things were back together, again they got rid of the idols they, they've cleansed themselves for pure worship they've got back to the book of the law teaching and preaching in the land and when it seems like things were looking good a message goes viral that there are opposing forces that have joined themselves together to war against Jehoshaphat I need a witness right here. Have you ever been at that place before that when everything is working out great for you, here comes opposition? Anybody can be honest enough to say that, you know, uh, you've enjoyed a season of your life. You, you are blessed and highly favored. Bless the Lord. You, you're looking good and, and you're doing good. But all of a sudden, hell breaks loose in your life. Opposition comes, you know. You got a new job, but struggling financially again. Boy, it's quiet. Y'all must got a lot of money in this church. I, I'm a struggling preacher up here. I, I need to talk to all of y'all after service. I need to find out how you do it. God healed you from a sickness, but, but, but fighting health issues again. Things were looking up for your life. Here it is. But here comes trouble again. There's, there, there, there's nothing worse than having momentum of things going good and working in your favor and, and turn and all of a sudden forces are turned against you. 
to oppose you. This is what's happening in Jehoshaphat right now. This is what's going on in Jehoshaphat's life. Jehoshaphat was a godly king and he was leading his nation toward God. And through him, many people were hearing about God and the devil didn't like it. So he said, I'm going to get him. I'm going to kill him. I, I'm going to raise up forces and armies. He purposed to destroy Jehoshaphat and the godly remnant. He sent a vast invading army of three different nations. The Bible tells us that they begin to tremble. Who won it? <laughs> the, the land trembled. The, 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 the terror on everyone's face was real. The invasion, it meant death and destruction and, and, and siege. And it meant slavery and starvation. It meant famine. All of, it meant a loss of absolutely everything. It was a dark hour for Jehoshaphat and the people of God. And I question for somebody here today. What do you do when you find yourself in a dark hour? But what, what do you do when disaster hits your life? What, what, what do you do when crisis comes to your doorstep? Do you panic? Do you blame God? Do you go into depression? Do, do you stop praying? Do you try to solve it by natural means? Hear me, church, if we get this insight in our spirits today, I believe that it's going to help us when we go through life's battles because Jehoshaphat faced a physical problem with a spiritual solution. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't, we don't, we don't fight spiritual battles with carnal weapons. This is a time for Jehoshaphat to consider how big his God was because in reality, we really see how big God is when everything is going well in our life. We really see how big God is when we're going through some battles. Oh, I wish somebody could help me here. Wasn't it David that said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt himself together. We know that God is big already. We know that he's powerful. We know he's all power is in his hands. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He's the conquering line of Judah. I need some help right here. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. He's the way maker. He will pick you up, turn you around, place your feet on higher ground. He'll make a way when it seems to be no way. What the devil meant for evil, God says it's for your good and it's for. Can I get a witness here that everybody understands and knows that we serve a big God? We know that he's a big God, but sometimes we got to use the magnifying glass because when life hits us and when the battles get real and we go through struggles and we go through situations, that diminishes our faith. God, I don't understand. I've been going to church. I've been living right, trying my best to do right with other people. I don't understand why I'm going through this battle right now. I don't understand. If, they, if somebody told you that living for God was just going to be heaven on earth, sometimes you're not going to experience that heaven. If somebody told you that living for God, you'll be exempt from all problems and all situations. You won't go through sickness and pain. They lied to you. Nobody, I wish I had a witness right here, is exempt from battles. We all go through it, even as child of God. Yes, Holy Spirit, baptized, know how to dance, shout, run the aisles, and we still go through problems. When we are in this thing called flesh and blood, we're all going to go through it. David says, magnify the Lord with me. 
Sometimes you got to magnify God in spite of what you go through. I wish I had some help right here. Sometimes you got to put the magnifying glass on God and remind yourself, God, you're still bigger than every problem. You're still bigger than every situation. You're still bigger than every mountain. Sometimes you just got to put the magnifying And you know you know God for who he really is. And you have a relationship with God when you can still praise God in spite of what you go through. You got a bad report from the doctor, but you can still dance and praise God and say, nonetheless, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my you know that God is really real and big in your life in spite of the pain and the loss and the setback and the disappointment you can still say I'm going to lift my hands and lift my voice and I'm going to give God praise I'm going to give God worship I'm going to give God glory come on somebody how do you know how big your God is Jehoshaphat faced a physical problem with a spiritual solution. And this is the time for Jehoshaphat to consider how big his God is. How big is your God when you're in a dark place? How, how, how big is your God when you've lost your job? How big is your God when you're in physical pain? How big is your God when you have temptations? How big is your God when you're under opposition? Jehoshaphat prayed a prayer and I believe it's going to bless us today and that reminded God of who he is he said in verse 6 he says oh Lord God of our fathers here's Jehoshaphat saying it to the Lord are you not God in heaven does somebody know the Bible in the church today are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nation? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? I mean, Jehoshaphat had the audacity to remind God of who he is. Jehoshaphat had no reason to be afraid. He had no reason to be scared. Jehoshaphat elected to take his eyes off of his problems and put them on the mighty God. Hear me, church. The next time you go through a battle in life, it will be good for you to pray a prayer that reminds God of who he is. I wish somebody could help me to the next time you go through something get down on your knees and don't pray those well rehearsed prayers don't pray those patty cake prayers no war on the floor so the old church used to say and remind God you said in your word this is who you are I remember leaving my house and we were going to a wedding and my wife jumped in the car and of course I'm always waiting on her Hope she's not watching right now. <laughs> Anyhow, honking a horn, she comes in the car. We drive off because we're late to go to this wedding. And then I felt in my spirit that she was looking at me while I was driving. <laughs> and in my spirit, I'm rolling my eyes. You know, I just don't want to roll my eyes like, because I'm mad because, you know, I'm waiting on you. And it's like, in my mind, I'm like, I don't know why you're looking at me because I was in the car waiting on you. Like, she looks at me and then we stopped at a red light, Pastor Don, and she just finally said it you you didn't you didn't say how good I look today <laughs> and I 
kind of, kind of, you know, brushed it off, you know, because I was mad because we were late, you know, and I'm just, and I'm driving. I'm like, you know, girl, you know, you're fine. You know, come on, just, you know, you look good. No, she's like, well, I'm waiting. <laughs> what are you waiting on? This is, tell me how good I look. Because she loves to be reminded. Y'all not hearing me. She loves to be reminded of how good she looks. And so, of course, you know, I just, being the nice husband that I am, you know, just turn around and say, girl, you look good, girl. You look, you look fine. You, you look good. I, I, she says, I know. <laughs> she says, I know. <laughs> and, you know, that, and that sometimes that's just like God waiting on us. And he's just looking at you and I. And he says, can you just remind me of who I am? crazy enough to say that your next miracle, your next blessing is in reminding God of who he really is in your life. We, we know what it says in the word, but sometimes when the battle gets rough, you need to remind God, God, you said you're a healer. God, you said you're a way maker. God, you said you're a deliverer. Is anybody, sometimes God is waiting on us to remind him of who he is. to say it like this the old church used to pray prayers like this when they started praying God you reminded me in your word that you're Abraham's redeemer God you said in your word that you're Abel's vindicator God you said in your word that you're you're Abraham's sacrifice you said in your word that you're Noah's ark and that you're Jacob's star and that you're Joseph's dream God you said in your word that you're Gideon's captain you said in your word that you're Deborah's authority that you're Samson's strength that you're David's music God you said in your word that you're Solomon's wisdom that you're Esther's integrity that you're Elijah's fire that you're Micah's mercy God you said in your word that you're Malachi's messenger that you're Isaiah's prince of peace that you're Jeremiah's bomb in Gilead God you said in your word that you're Ezekiel's wheel in the middle of the wheel I just wonder if there's anybody in first church this afternoon that would like to jump up on their feet and remind God of who he is. God, you're still my healer. God, you said that you'll make a way when there seems to be no way. When you're in the middle of a battle, you gotta remind God of who he is. Give your neighbor a high five and tell him, remind God of who he is. Turn to somebody else and say, remind God that he's still all-powerful. Remind God that we don't serve a dead God. Remind God that he's not defeated. That all power is in his hands. You need to remind God that he's king of kings. That he's lord of lords. That he's a mighty God. That he's a wonderful counselor. That he's the everlasting father. That he's the prince of peace. Come on, I don't know what you're going through right now. But I'm here to let you know. If you can remind God of who he is. And what he said in his word. Victory belongs to you. I got to remind God sometimes. It's not like he forgot. He's just waiting on you to tell him. It's not like 
like he forgot about who he is and how powerful he is. He just wants to be reminded at times. He wants to blush sometimes. I wish I could preach to somebody. He, he wants somebody to, to always know that God, I may be in pain right now, but I will never forget you can still heal. God, I may be struggling right now, but I know you're still a deliverer. Come on somebody, sometimes we wait until God does it, but God wanted me to tell you don't wait until you see it. Remind God in advance so that when you remind him, he will bring you the victory. Is anybody here under the sound of my voice that wants to remind God of who he is? God, you may be seated. God, you, you, you said, you, you said that I, that I'm blessed and cannot be cursed. God, you said with long life, you will satisfy me. Oh, I feel like running in the church today. You, yeah, I got an owl runner, owl runner. We got a runner, we got a runner, we got a runner. God, God, you said that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up. God, you said that you will supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. God, you said that you're Jehovah Jireh. God, you're my provider. You said that you'll restore health to me. God, you said that you were wounded for my transgressions. You were bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you. And with your stripes, we are healed. God, you Somebody shout, God, you said that I will live and not die. Somebody shout, God, you said what's impossible with men is not impossible with God. Somebody shout, God, you said that you will open up the windows of heaven. You pour out blessings on my life. God, you said that you will turn my mourning into dancing. You turn my sorrow into joy. You take my ashes for beauty. You said, God. Somebody shout, God. You said that all things are going to work together for my good. Somebody shout, God. You said the moment that I pray, the battle will be won. God, you said that I'm more than a conqueror. God, you said you go before me and you make my crooked path straight. God, you said the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former house. Somebody shout, God. You said no weapon that's formed against me shall be able to prosper. God, you said you will make my name great. You gotta remind God of what he said. Remind God what he said. We should we should glory we should glory in what God has done in the past because it strengthens our confidence in him. And as the Lord said in Isaiah 43, 26, he says, put me in remembrance. 
This is exactly what King Solomon did in 2 Chronicles 1 verse 9. He said to God, Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. Hear me, church. God may have promised, but sometimes he needs us to remind him. Not because he forgot, but maybe he likes. He likes that we have the opportunity to call on his name in prayer. So I'm here to let First Church know, put God in remembrance of his promises. Don't be silent about it. Give him no rest until it comes to pass in your life. Not only did his prayer remind God of who he is, but he reminded God of his past actions. Verse 7 says, you drove out the inhabitants of the land. You gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. Can, can I tell the church today that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? God hasn't changed. He's still living. He's still a supernatural God. God, if you did it back then, you could do it for me now. The same God who took care of it before, he can take care of it right now. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. He hasn't changed. And so in response... To this prayer God sends his spirit upon the prophet named Jehaziel and he tells the people of Judah that God will protect them and he says hearken all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat thus says the Lord to you fear not be not dismayed at this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's you won't need to fight in this battle I'm preaching better than your response right now. You're not going to need to fight in this battle. Come on, take, 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 take your hand off the driver's wheel. Get out of the driver's seat. We pray Jesus take the wheel, but we're still driving. You're not going to need to fight in this battle. But, but, but God, you, you just don't know. You don't need to fight in this battle. Leave it alone. I got it. Oh, oh, I get it because it's it's not our nature to stand when the enemy is at for us. We, we got to react. We got to do something. We got to respond. But God says, no, you, you're not going to need to fight in this battle. Stand still and see the victory of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not and be not dismayed. Tomorrow, go against them and the Lord will be with you. And it wasn't really necessary that they go, but we must have the courage to face our problems. And the wonderful thing is that we don't go alone. God goes with us. But standing still is the last thing we want to do when the enemy is coming against us. It is also the most difficult thing to do because we feel that we, can, we just can't stand around and do nothing. We, we got to try to save the situation. So Jehoshaphat cried to the Lord. He says, oh God, he says, we're powerless. Jehoshaphat cried to God and he says, help us. And God responded, fear not, the battle is mine. Jehoshaphat's response to this word of promise is in verse 18 and it's to fall on his face to the ground and worship. <laughs> and when the people fell down to worship, the choir stood up to sing. Whoa. Time out. <laughs> when the people went out to meet the enemy, the choir went before them with songs of victory. Oh, yeah. 
you would think the front line are men that are equipped with swords and spears and shields. The frontline troops are not swordsmen, no. They're singers. Jehoshaphat aims to conquer with a choir. They're not, they don't got swords, they got tambourines. They don't got helmets and armor on, they got on choir robes. Yeah, they're, they're on the front line singing and praising God. And the Bible says Jehoshaphat sent his singers to the front of the army to proclaim, praise the Lord for his mercy endured forever. Yo, whoa, whoa. I, I'm in a battle. We're supposed to be fighting. We're supposed to be throwing spears and we're supposed to be swinging our swords. And no, we're, we're in a battle. No, no, no. The front line are singers that all they do leading the army is say, Praise the Lord for his mercy endured forever. Well, I've got sickness in my body. I've got the, do the doctors diagnosed me with, with an incurable disease. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Well, I've been in this situation for a very long time and I just don't know how I'm going to praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever and they began praising God for the victory before they saw it I'm going to say it one more time they began praising God before they saw the victory they began praising God before they saw the victory can I tell first church today that when God tells us that the battle is his and that the victory is sure the way we should meet the enemy is by saying praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever I know it may look crazy I may know it may sound foolish but I'm here to let you know praise is our weapon and this is how we fight our battles we don't fight our battles with carnal weapons no we use spiritual weapons we use clapping our hands we use lifting our voice we use singing praises we use giving God glory is there anybody under the sound of my voice that understands I may be in a battle right now but God's calling me to praise him God's calling me to give him thanks come on it's time to get in the front line and it's time to rise up and say this is how I fight my battle if he calls me to fight I'm gonna fight but if he says stand still and he fights for me I still have the victory it's a guaranteed win it's a guaranteed win began to sing and praise and the Bible says the Lord sent ambushes against their enemies oh somebody needs to tell the enemy that that's coming up against you right now this is how I fight my battle praise team you can come if I'm gonna fight it will be by giving God praise and glory if I'm gonna fight I'm gonna use praise as my weapon and verse 22 says and when they began to sing and praise the Lord sent and just against the men of Ammon against Moab and against Mount Seir who had come against Judah so they were routed I want you to understand church first Moab and Ammon turned against Mount Seir and secondly they turned against each other that's what praise does 
praise will make your enemies turn against each other. Somebody say praise confuses the enemy. Because the enemy looks at you and says, you should be worrying. You should be in fear and anxiety. You, you should be crying. You should be complaining. But when the enemy looks at you and says, you can praise God in spite of it, it confuses the enemy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They turn against each other. And when it was all over, the defeat was so great that it took them three days for Jehoshaphat and his people to carry away the spoil. I'm here to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, it's a victory without a fight. The Lord wanted me to remind First Church, you don't need to fight in this battle. Just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Whatever the battle is, whatever the situation you're going through, I've come to remind you it's a guaranteed win. Just trust in Him. Just praise Him. Just thank Him. If He tells you to fight, then get the fight on. But if He tells you the fight belongs to me, stand still and praise Him. And Victory still belongs to you. Would you stand? I'm done. Sometimes God will fight the actual battle through you. And other times he will simply tell you to hold your position and do absolutely nothing. And then he will move himself to completely take out the attack coming against you. I want you to remember always, be careful that you don't fight a battle that has already been won. Be careful that you don't, you don't fight a battle that has already been won. This is where God shows how powerful and how awesome he really is when he moves into battle to personally protect you. I'm here to let you know that if he tells you to engage in it by putting on the whole armor of God, go ahead and fight. But there are other battles that he says, I got this. It belongs to me. And God, I pray over the first church family in this second service those that are in person and those that are online and God as we make this altar call and as we take this to another level of praise and worship God we're going to give men and women and families an opportunity to touch God today we're going to give you an opportunity to lift your hands and to lift your voice and to receive the power of God in your life as the ministering angel has been released in this service to strengthen and to encourage and to grant breakthroughs and blessings and healings and miracles in the lives of your people I believe it that you're going to do it in the next few moments in this service God God I pray God that you will help someone to always remember that the battle doesn't belong to them the battle belongs to you there may be somebody right here under the sound of my voice that you may be experiencing the fight of your life I don't know what the battle looks like I don't know how long you've been in the fight but I'm here to let you know that if he tells you to fight you'll win but if he fights you still win it's a guaranteed win. I'm here to let somebody know you're not on the losing side. You serve a winning God. He's never been defeated. Winning is who you are and winning will be in your life. And God, we're going to step out of our seat and we're going to claim our winning season. We're going to claim that winning over our marriages and over our families and in our homes and in our business and in our finances. Every facet of our lives, we're going to decree and declare, God, I'm a winner. 
I'm not a loser because I serve a winning God. Would you step out of your seat right now for those that are hungry for more of God? Maybe you're here under the sound of my voice and you want God to fill you with the Spirit. Maybe there's someone here that wants to be baptized in His name. Would you step out of your seat? Families, loved ones, come on. Maybe you came in here with a, with a, with a battle that you're fighting with. Maybe you came in here with struggling. Maybe you came in here with a situation. I dare you to step out of your seat right now and just lift your hands and say, God, I'm claiming my winning season right now. I'm claiming my winning for my life. Come on, who are you? Who am I talking to right now? Under the sound of my voice, come wherever you are. Come with your hands raised. Come with your hands raised and lift your voice as we begin to worship God. As the praise team takes us into the presence of God. Would you lift your hands and would you lift your voice and would you begin to pray right now? In the name of Jesus. Come on, you're not. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us. Thank you.